every story should have something that if I'm someone who is struggling to get by, that I will either get something out of it or see maybe myself or a neighbor or a friend in the story in a way that it's not written about as it's written for us. More and more newsrooms are turning to collaboration as a way to share their reporting, stretch their resources, and reach new audiences. Today, I talked to two people involved in one of the largest and most successful news collaboratives in the U.S. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Resolve is the parent organization of a newsroom collaborative that operated for five years as the Broken Philly Reporting Collaborative. After completing Broken Philly last year, the collaborative relaunched under the permanent name PJC for the Philadelphia Journalism Collaborative. Gene Son is PJC's Senior Director of Collaboration, and Derek Kane is its Director of Community Engagement. They're here to fill us in on all the details about PJC. Gene and Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having us. Okay, so I, I just wanted to mention that at the start here that I had a great conversation with Julie Christie of Resolve Philly last spring, that interview can be found on our website. Just as sort of a recap, you know, what was Broken Philly and, you know, what is it transformed into? Gene? Broken Philly was a collaborative reporting project that eventually grew to 29 newsrooms looking at economic mobility and efforts to fight poverty in Philadelphia, which of the biggest cities in the United States has the highest level of concentrated poverty. And so this is a, a big long-time challenge for our city. And while certainly poverty hasn't been fixed or solved in Philadelphia, we felt that five years of intense solutions-oriented reporting on it was a good run, and we had a desire to move to a different topic. Also, frankly, feeling pretty secure that our partner newsrooms weren't going to abandon that topic, you know, and that we had, after five years of reporting and building up expertise, There were things that are going to continue to be reported by our partner newsrooms, and we wanted to focus on something different and building in capacity in our city in a different way. Okay. And let me step back for a second and find out a little bit about each of you. Let's start with you, Derek. What was the the road that led you to your current role at PJC? Well, yeah, we got to go back because it's a little story. So here we go. (laughs) In 2009, I was sentenced to a 10-year mandatory minimum in a federal prison. After being sentenced about two years later in 2011, the Philadelphia Daily News did a piece highlighting how the federal system had led to a letter surgeon to federal inmates and how mandatory minimums should be looked at, which I had a mandatory minimum uh, charge. And they cited my case stating that basically because of a, you know, a mandatory minimum law that I have received this harsh uh, sentence with no priors or anything like that. So basically we're falling into that bucket of, you know, one size fit all sentencing. So the piece was written well. I didn't have an issue with that. But uh, about two weeks later, a gentleman wrote in the comment section referring to the piece about how I was not a good son or a husband. And I definitely wasn't a good father. I was just a drug dealer. You know, so from that moment on, I decided that, you know, I understood how I know a lot about stereotypes and how folks are looked at as returning citizens when they come back to society. And I wanted to change my own, you know, tell my story and change the narrative, share my experience, you know, because it is my experience. It's my lived experience. So fast forward to 2017, I was doing a lot of advocacy work, working at nonprofits and doing a lot of mentorships and speaking engagements. And a woman suggested that I try out this criminal justice journalism fellowship. 
And at the time, I had no idea about journalism or anything like that. I just knew how to tell a story. So I said, you know what, you know, let me just throw my name in the hat and try to see if I could be a part of this fellowship. I ended up getting it, about six of us out of a lot of people who applied, and I was one of the six. During the fellowship is where I met Jean Friedman Rodolfsky, who was the co-executive director of Resolve Philly, and she was doing a workshop on solutions to journalism. So that's when it really piqued my interest that, wow, you know, I definitely want to, you know, yes, we have problems, but I'm going to focus on the solution and I'm going to be a part of that. So when I saw that they were hiring for a community engagement editor at the time, once again, I had no idea about journalism. I didn't know how to be an editor or anything like that, but I know community. So I just decided to, again, throw my name in the hat and I ended up getting hired. So that's how I ended up at Resolve as now the director of community engagement. Excellent. That's a pretty great story. And I appreciate you sharing it. How about you, Gene? What led you to this this role? When people ask me how I got my start in journalism, I explain that I'm one of those annoying people who knew from a very early age <laughs> I wanted to be a journalist, like maybe back as far as high school. And I'd always in high school and college was very involved in journalism and, you know, print and radio, etc. And up until joining Resolve, all my career had been in public media. I worked for three years in upstate New York in a station based up in, uh, on the shores of Lake Ontario right after I got out of college and spent about 10 years as a reporter covering the New Jersey State House as a shared reporter between two public radio stations, one in Newark and one in Philadelphia. And I also spent about 10 years as news director at WHRY, the NPR news station in Philadelphia. But in my role at WHYY, I was able to be the representative to our collaborative, both the original short-run collaborative, the Reentry Project, and also the Broken Philly Collaborative. And I, I really enjoyed working on those those projects. But in my role at WHYY, I was having to kind of steal time here and there in order to put some time in on this. It was more of a of a passion project rather than something that I, I was able to devote a lot of time to. And when in 2020, when the role of the, the editor for the, the collaborative opened up, this idea occurred to me as like this thing that you love doing. What if instead of having to steal time and, you know, 20 minute increments here and there through the week to work on it? What if it was what you focused on? And I made made the jump. Fortunately, they hired me and I've been loving it and ever since. And it's been more than three years now. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. And you, you're in the room with somebody else who knew that they wanted to be a journalist here at a young age in high school, really. Actually, junior high. But anyway, there are a lot of us. But the other thing, and, you know, I was thinking this actually when Derek was talking, you know, he's almost apologizing. Well, I don't know anything about journalism as he's going into these things. But, you know, I know about your experience, Gene. Many of the best journalists I've ever worked with did not set out to be journalists. They got to a certain point in their career or their life and they said, you know, I used to like writing papers in college or I, you know, for a little while I, I worked at the college newspaper. And just because they have a different view than somebody who's gone through a journalism school, you know, sometimes that that makes them that much more embracing, I guess, of, of journalism. <laughs> you and I have been living with it for so much of our, our parts of our lives. So before we say goodbye to Broken Philly, what did you see in that five-year period as some of the highlights of that, the successes? Well, one of the things that was definitely a success was that it was something that didn't fade away. Collaborative efforts often start out bright and fizzle out <laughs> because it takes work. You know, working on a project with not one other newsroom, never mind multiple other newsrooms, takes extra effort and time. And 
journalists of all shapes and sizes are short on time. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter how big or small your outlet is. I haven't met a journalist who said I have the luxury of all the time that I want. And so I'm so thankful that people saw the value of it and wanted to stick with it and stayed with it and saw it through the whole five years of Broken Philly. I think that by itself is an achievement. But I think in terms of the, the work that we did, one of the things that was so vital was trying to cover issues of economic mobility and poverty in a different way. One that, first of all, isn't about other people. <laughs> One that tries to be thoughtful in terms of in, being inclusive of the voice of people who have lived this. So often in journalism, we, we report about things as if we are like, this anthropologist dropped into another part of the world and we're just watching them with this, wondering what they'll do next. You know, that's not how we do our reporting in our collaborative. We try to make sure that we are centering the voices of the people who are living this out. And we also try to do it in a way that is for the people who are living this out. So the, the idea is like every story should have something that if I'm someone who is struggling to get by, that I will either get something out of it or see maybe myself or a neighbor or a friend in the story in a way that it's not written about as it's written for us. Now, Derek, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, you found out about solutions journalism. What appealed to you about that? Because oftentimes, you know, when we're having conversations, just in general, we always kind of focus on the issue itself and not really talking about, well, how can we come up with some solutions to that problem? And I think that's where it really piques my interest because, and even in the communities when we're having conversations, you know, when you start to focus on solutions, people feel hope. People feel like there could be a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, instead of just constantly going down that dark tunnel of the problem. So I think that for me is just something that was really mission aligned with me, with Resolve, when they talk about solution journalism. And, and I think for me, with anything I do, I have to be mission aligned and also feel a part of that. So I think that's where the solution piece really, really spoke to me. Can you give me an example of something that, that you've worked on or that Resolve Philly did or that PGAC is working on that would be described as solutions journalism? It was a story written back, I believe it was Kensington Voices, which is a hyperlocal collaborative partner of ours in PJC. And at the time, this was during the 2020 pandemic, and in Kensington, in a park, I can't remember the name of the park right now, but there was a piece written about how the folks that were in the park that were experiencing homelessness and stuff, they didn't have a lot of masks. So what people in the neighborhood were doing was putting masks up in the trees in the park so folks could actually have access to that, you know, those masks by just hanging them in the, and had it all in the trees all over. And to me, again, when we talk about a problem, yes, it was a problem that it was not enough mask or the folks that were experiencing homelessness and having these hard times didn't have the access to it. Here's a solution to that. Here's a possible way that can be replicated in other communities as well as far as solving that solution. I mean, that problem to that solution. That's interesting because if you think about it, a lot of times when a journalist will go cover a story about that, what they'll do is say, oh, there's no masks here. Well, I'm going to go to City Hall and find out what the problem is and, and see if the City Hall will do its job and put masks out there. They won't necessarily think of, you know, while that is all going on, these people still don't have masks. What can we do to shift our focus a little bit so that we're actually serving in a way. And another word that you mentioned was, you know, you consider yourself an advocate. That's something I'm hearing more and more from journalists and different types of collaborative newsrooms like yours, that 
a long time ago would have been a bad word if your newsroom's described, oh, you're advocating for something. Well, you know, if you're going to center somebody's story, if you're going to give them solutions, then <laughs> that's advocacy in a way. But And that's not necessarily a bad thing. For, you know, Gene is somebody who's been a journalist for a long time. I mean, have you seen any sort of transition like that in our industry? I feel like it's always been a tension, but it's a tension that is getting more focused now. It was like pushed off to the to periphery before, and now people are more talking about it more openly in a way in journalism than, than was the case when I started or earlier in my career. One of the things that I seize on about a solutions journalism approach is that it's better for the people we're trying to serve in our audience. Everyone knows that there is a lot of, you know, we wonky journalists call news avoidance, but basically people don't wanting to read more news or listen to more news because it feels all bad and depressing and I just don't want to hear more of it. And there's been tremendous research that shows that a solutions journalism approach leaves people less pessimistic about that and less likely to avoid hearing more about what's going on. And it's also, frankly, a much more positive experience for the journalists involved. Instead of just being a constant doomsayer and bringer of the bad news, we can say, yeah, this is not working over here. And there are three approaches that people are trying elsewhere or are under consideration here. And you as a journalist, as well as you as a, someone reading or listening to it, have a totally different experience than if you only focus on, well, this is all terrible. So I know we talked about, you know, this shift over to PJC. I got the impression, Gene, that not all of the news organizations that were part of Resolve Philly are still part of PJC. Is that it sort of evolved to like a smaller group or a particular group? We've generally been growing. Oh. We, you know, what led to us relaunching as a Philadelphia Journalism Collaborative was actually a a year long discernment process where we started in it was May of 2022 talking about we got a year left on Broken Philly if we wind it down at five years what do we want to do after and in a series of discussions among our membership what we heard was that. We want to keep going. We like doing this work together, but we couldn't get to a consensus on a real one narrowly defined topic that we all wanted to work on. And we also were looking at the idea of that we wanted to send a message that our collaboration wasn't a temporary thing, but is something that is here to stay. And so those two things together came together to relaunch as the Philadelphia Journalism Collaborative, where we are, are working together indefinitely <laughs> in a collaborative solutions focused way and that we feel confident that we are here to stay and what we are we have a little more leeway in terms of what we're focusing on in general when people ask well what makes a pjc story i say that it's a story that looks at problems and symptoms that are obvious but what's driving them isn't and trying to get to the bottom of what that is with a solutions approach and so obviously that is a much wider umbrella than economic mobility and solutions to poverty. But so far we've found our members have been energized by it because they like the freedom that goes that we can spread a little further. I wouldn't suggest someone starting a collaborative today start with something that broad 
I think we're in a position to do so because we have five years of trust built up among our our newsrooms that they feel that we can do that. And there's a, enough of a track record behind it that people feel the confidence that this will work. So again, this is a collaborative effort. How does that collaboration, you know, sort of actualize? How do you know multiple news sites tackle a similar story or share resources? Derek, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, from the community's perspective, it's us going out there building those relationships. It's us going out there as a team and just showing up for communities. Oftentimes, you'll hear a lot of feedback from community members of what's being missed by the journalist or the journalism organization. So that's how we attack it as a community engagement team when it comes to PJC. It's just really getting to know with the communities, building those relationships, and navigating those complex relationships between journalists and reporters. That's how we attack it as a community engagement team. And you know what our awesome community engagement team hears by doing that work, that long-term relationship building, not that like dive in for one quick conversation and then leave, you know, because they've, they've built those long-term relationships, they're able to surface either things that people need to know that aren't currently being addressed in the media or questions floats up to our collaborative and then, you know, partner newsrooms can take those and run with it. And under our model, every story that's done for the collaborative can be published, aired, etc., in its entirety by any member of the collaborative. So that's like one of the, the key functions of it is that it's not about what goes on the centralized website. It's that we're trying to get solutions-oriented reporting out to the widest possible audience. You know, and knowing how people use their media, we need to be present in you know the big legacy media, you know, things like the Philadelphia Inquirer or where I used to work, WHYY, hyper-local digital only ones in neighborhoods such as like Kensington or Germantown and groups in between. And part of our strategy is to get some of that reporting out in multiple ways. Like in one of the stories that when we relaunched with PJC in the fall that we ran was a story from, we have a, a fellow at Resolve, Brian Mosier, who did a story looking at the 211 system in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia and the resources that it offers to people re-entering after being in jail or prison and really taking a hard look at like, well, what's missing from these listings? And so like if you're a person just getting out and you don't have family or friends to rely on and you're looking for what are the ways that I can sustain myself so that way I can have a fresh start well, what are the things on there and what are the big actors in Philadelphia that are missing from that? And that particular piece was initially published by three of our partners in both English and Spanish. And like that is like an ideal example of what we're trying to do. Instead of it all being putting all our eggs in one basket of one newsroom, we're spreading it around and paying attention to things like language access, among other things. We'd love to do more work with that and not just Spanish and English, because in Philadelphia, we have lots of other languages that we, we could really do a better job of reaching people in. And that's kind of an example of what I see as a, a great example of when our collab is working at its best. I've been a a local journalist through most of my career and back in local journalism. And I remember when I was working for a weekly newspaper that, you know, I was an editor there. And one of the things we were sort of were running into 
was the reporters talked to the same people. You know, they talked to the supervisor, they talked to the cop, they talked to the one community acts, a- activist. And yes, you've got three sources into your story, but, you know, it's that story. It's not the story. <laughs> You're not actually going out and knocking on doors. You're not showing up at community meetings or the library to, you know, meet with people. And sometimes it's, you know, resources, sometimes it's just laziness, but it sounds like your approach at least is almost sort of a self-generating new sources, new perspectives. That if you're in the community, even though you'll be talking to some of the same people who are going to point you to other things, there's opportunities for you. You know, they're going to point you to a different story that you never would have known about. And I mean, that's always great. Let me ask you this. How is PJC funded? So PJC is funded through Resolve Philly and Resolve funds the overall organization in a couple of different ways. Like we've been very successful in getting philanthropic support. We've been growing a major donor base, not like an individual membership or subscription level, but like larger donations from individual members. And the other major area we've been growing has been consulting. The expertise that Derek and other teammates have developed over the years, you know, people will pay us to work with them when they are experiencing challenges or maybe starting a new organization, et cetera. And those consulting fees also help support the organization. That's nice. It's a way to have your expertise earn something beyond just, just your reporting. So I'm going to ask this question of each of you. Let me, let me ask Derek first, you know, looking forward to where PGAC is going, you know, when you look down that road, what is it that you see and what is it that you're excited about? I'm excited to build on the relationships over the past four years that I've been working at Resolve and being able to have this resource center, this feedback loop between the journalism organizations and communities where communities are empowered to do their own pieces and work with the journalism to be able to spread more information and, and help and be in that news you can use land where we're sharing all information with different communities and having these different situations and different communities collaborating together. So I look forward to seeing what, you know, how we can build that, continue to build what we're building onto now, but how would that look in the future? I think that would be, that's something that I'm super excited about to see that collaboration between the communities and journalism organizations. Gene, before I ask you that question, I want to follow up for Derek. Have you seen change affected by the work that you're doing? Can you go say, yeah, this this issue wasn't solved, this resource wasn't available, unless if our team wasn't there, that wouldn't have occurred? Yes, there's been some changes there, but you know what we really kind of measure our, our success on in the community engagement thing? Like, when we really think about looking backwards and thinking about communities, where we're seeing a change is that news organizations now are open to the community engagement throughout their process of reporting. That's where we're seeing, starting to see change. So we're super excited about that. We're starting to see change in communities where they're reaching out to us to say, hey, we have this trust built with you guys. I think it's a great story. You know, they're reaching out to us, you know, where now we're not having to go to them. So I'm seeing change there. So I'm seeing those little incremental changes. It's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but those are definitely a foundation that we have now because of the work that we've been doing the past four or five years. Gene, do you have any thoughts on that question or... I mean, two things come to mind. I mean, one is we have some great relationships with folks in the Mantua City neighborhood of of Philadelphia, and we were doing an event with them at one point, and we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the things came up in that conversation that night, it was during an election year in Philadelphia about how 
dissatisfied residents are when they do get to talk to candidates about the answers that they get. <laughs> and they talked about how like, you know, oh, they really dodge, they don't answer it, et cetera. And there, there was a real hunger in that room for like figuring out like, well, how come when we do get that chance to talk to someone running for city council, how can we kind of ask questions that will be more likely to get a real answer? And so what came out of that night was like Derek and other people who were there said like, well, you know what we need to do? Let's do a workshop on that. And like we recruited some journalists who are used to asking questions to politicians. And like, so we came back and then it was a phenomenal evening. And that more things like that, we're connecting journalists in the community because we over years have developed skills that I think a lot of people in the community have basic versions of it, but with a little bit of, of engagement and conversation that they can up their own game and asking better questions or finding ways to share information more effectively to make happen what they're trying to make happen in their own neighborhood. And I think those kinds of opportunities are, in addition to the more traditional reporting, are the kinds of things I would love to see grow under PJC. Real quick, real quick. Another beautiful thing about that night as well is it's the stuff that, you know, that, that oftentimes are not captured in grant reports, right? When you're talking about your work. Like that night, one of the beautiful things that happened was we were able to also, in addition to the relationships that we've built with Mantua, we were able to bring in journalists that hasn't been in Mantua to be able to build relationships with them. So now they're actually at the end of the night, community members are walking around getting cards from the journalists because they haven't seen them in, you know, in person or didn't know who they were at all. So again, it's the relationship building that's definitely was a successful night, just in that alone. Yeah, it's nice to make that connection with community members who are engaged and recognize that there is a problem that needed needed to be addressed and maybe they didn't know how to deploy their resources. So being able to provide that is a great thing. Gene and Derek, this is wonderful. I love talking about solutions journalism. I think it's a it's something more and more newsrooms are doing, but I think more still need to do for so many of the reasons that you described. Derek and uh, Gene, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who report the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. To make sure you don't miss an episode of It's All Journalism, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco is our audio producer. Amber Healy writes our web content. Amelia Brust is our booking manager. Steph Thomas manages our social media. Nick Dupre composed our theme music. Carolyn Bolevsky designed our logo. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.